Cause we got the alternative energy right. free autonomy And welcome to the Radioactive Show Produced at the studios of 3CR Melbourne And heard nationally on the Community Radio Network Hello and welcome to the Radioactive Show I'm Michaela and today we'll be taking a look at the year ahead And some of the developments that will be a focus of anti-nuclear activity in 2016 We'll also touch on some of the nuclear-free movement events that are coming up and that you can expect to hear about in more detail on the Radioactive Show in the months to come. We'll be hearing from several familiar voices to the Radioactive Show, the incredibly dedicated and long-time anti-nuclear campaigners Jim Green, Dave Sweeney and Mia Pepper. First up, Dr Jim Green, anti-nuclear campaigner with Friends of the Earth. Can you give us a bit of a picture of what the outlook is for the anti-nuclear movement globally? Yeah, sure. It's uh, still a situation which is uh, fairly heavily shaped by the Fukushima disaster and we're coming up to the fifth anniversary of the Fukushima disaster on March 11 and there'll be a lot of events around the world and in Australia to commemorate that. And we're also uh, coming up to the 30th anniversary of the Chernobyl disaster, so that's April 26 this year. So two significant anniversaries in the first half of this year. And uh, it was yet another year of stagnation for nuclear power around the world. There were 10 new reactors coming online, most of them in China, but eight reactors shut down, so there's a net addition of just two reactors Uh, which is next to nothing and that pattern has prevailed really for the past 20 years or so so the number of reactors operating now is almost identical to the number 20 years ago so we hear all this rhetoric about a nuclear power renaissance but uh, as i say it's just a pattern of stagnation Mm. and yeah that just makes me wonder was there any particular push at the paris climate talks by the nuclear industry yeah, there were certainly efforts at the uh, Paris COP21 climate change conference. Um, not so much inside the conference uh, because it was essentially technology neutral where they were trying to get an agreement on uh, on cutting emissions and weren't, ter- weren't specifying how that would be done by different countries. Uh, but different countries did put uh, up their individual schemes on how to reduce emissions and hardly any countries mention nuclear power in those in those submissions. And um, I'm just reading here from a, from a guy called Steve Kidd, who was who worked with the World Nuclear Association for 17 years. And to quote him, it was entirely predictable that the nuclear industry achieved precisely nothing at the recent Paris COP21 talks and in the subsequent international agreement. So despite the nuclear industry's best efforts, they, they didn't really achieve anything. Um, but it certainly wasn't for lack of trying. There was a huge promotional push around the, the margins of the conference. Um, James Hansen, the famous climate scientist, was there promoting nuclear power and uh, any number of people have written factual scientific rebuttals of his claims. He's maybe a strong climate scientist, but he's pretty sloppy on his uh, understanding of energy issues. Um, and a whole lot of other people were there too, promoting nuclear power and also an organised anti-nuclear presence there as well. Um, But uh, as I say, the the nuclear industry didn't achieve anything there. Mm. 
And so for the Friends of the Earth anti-nuclear campaign, what are the key things that are going to be, um, that you're going to be working on this year? Well, quite a lot of things. I guess in the first few months of the year, uh, the South Australian Nuclear Fuel Cycle Royal Commission will release its draft report in February and its final report in May. And uh, we predict that that will give either an orange light or a green light to plans to import high-level nuclear waste into South Australia. Uh, so those debates and those uh, disputes and fights and battles will go on for long beyond the, uh, the May release of the final report. And another issue which will occupy us in the first half of the year is um, plans for a national nuclear waste dump. And six, six sites have been shortlisted in uh, four different states and territories. And uh, the uh, deadline for public submissions on that is March the 11th, which ironically is the fifth anniversary of the Fukushima disaster. So those two issues will keep us busy. And we'll also be uh, organising to support the uh, Lizard's Revenge protest at the Roxby Downs or Olympic Dam uranium mine. And uh, that's in July this year. We were just speaking with Dr. Jim Green and at the end of 2016 he co-authored a report critiquing the Nuclear Fuel Cycle Royal Commission. So if you want to find out more about that, you can go to foe.org.au backslash rc hyphen critique. And that was written by Jim Green with uh, Dr. Philip White on behalf of the Conservation Council of South Australia, Friends of the Earth and the Australian Conservation Foundation. And next up, we have Dave Sweeney, nuclear-free campaigner with ACF. And in classic Dave style, he gives us a great wrap-up of what's in store this year for nuclear campaigns around the country. 2016, I think, promises to be a, a pretty big year for nuclear-free uh, campaigning and activism in Australia. Um, it's obviously a federal election year, and that always... Um, provides a bit of colour and movement and um, a bit of some opportunity and threat. And I think you know, both major parties are, are pretty lockstep um, in relation to, to nuclear politics. So it's not so much that. It's, it's um, the issues of uranium mining, of radioactive waste management in this context, I think, is the important one for 2016, Michaela. And probably the... the single biggest thing um, in implications uh, in some ways is the South Australian Royal Commission. Um, it's looking at expanding all aspects of the nuclear industry in South Australia and it has an interim report in mid-February and then a final report in early May. And there's many people, um, industry spruikers from Bob Hawke and Warren Mundine through to international corporations who are saying that this is an opportunity for Australia to embrace either nuclear power, which is um, probably pretty unlikely because there is no bipartisan political support and it's highly expensive and there are far cheaper and more popular and cleaner and safer options. But it is also opening the door to serious talk about Australia hosting international radioactive waste. So the South Australian Royal Commission um, and the whole question of international radioactive waste management is a big challenge for 2016. That's also the question of national radioactive waste um, management. Many listeners will know there's six sites 
um, currently being explored by the federal government as potential national radioactive waste sites. Um, and there's public comment on those uh, sites and, and that process until uh, early March. And then the government goes away and comes back with a shorter short list of two or three sites for uh, stronger analysis, if you like. And so, you know, the question of how that is advanced and whether the government is fair income about community consultation and a community right of veto is really key. And that could be... Um, a process that, that advances in a reasonable way or it could be back to an old-school muckety-style fight that basically depends on how the government decides to approach and whether the government is genuine about its so-called commitment to volunteerism and community consent. And the uranium mining front, probably the, the couple of key areas, there's, there's, there's many significant areas, but the industry is under real pressure and its um, tonnage is dropping, its production and profitability is, is flatlining. And so we need to maintain that pressure on the industry. Probably a key thing is Western Australia, where there are many companies um, racing, well, there's four in particular, racing to get um, their paper approval from the Barnett Conservative Government because in March 2017, which sounds a long way away, but it's you know not that far, in March 2017, there's a state election and there's a really clear difference. The Conservative parties in WA support uranium mining, the Labor Party in WA is strongly opposed. So the companies got a real scare from Queensland where there was moves for uranium mining and then a return Labor government said no. Um, and so they're racing to try and get all their approvals lined up. So slowing them down, stopping them and keeping uncertainty and, and contest is going to be a big challenge for us and a big focus of work, as will getting ERA, Energy Resources of Australia in Kakadu, to take their next step and to actually sign a deal with their parent company, uh, Rio Tinto, and commit to an active and comprehensive rehabilitation program at the Ranger Mine. And finally, once and for all, give up any idea of further mining and start uh, a really measured and well-funded and well-thought-through and implemented rehabilitation and exit strategy. I suppose in the, also on the uranium mining front, uh, Michaela, one thing that's really significant in 2016 is it's five years since Fukushima, which was directly fuelled by Australian uranium. It's 30 years since Chernobyl, uh, which is a sort of a, a very significant marker of, um, I suppose you could say, the impacts of, but also the beginning of the end of, the nuclear trade, and it's 60 years since the International Atomic Energy Agency was founded with its promotional role to spruik nuclear energy. So it's a bit of a less-we-forget year as well. Um, and all those opportunities provide, all those anniversaries provide an opportunity to reflect and revisit and to reaffirm steps towards uh, building a nuclear-free future. So I suppose across the, question, the issues of uranium, to maintain contest and uncertainty, to increase complexity and delay the industry as the industry is getting squeezed out because of its own poor economics, to promote responsible national radioactive waste management, to oppose plans to open the door to Australia to become a global dumping ground, particularly via the toxic Trojan horse of the South Australian Royal Commission, and um, to remember the negative role that Australia plays in fueling nuclear risk and uncertainty, particularly in the context of five years since Fukushima.
So in that context and also against the backdrop of a federal election, plenty to do. But as we've shown last year and for many years before, um, the Australian nuclear free movement is extremely effective, uh, punches well above its weight and has really been a major impediment on all aspects of the nuclear industry, both expanding and even continuing in Australia. And um, I feel pretty confident that um, we will do it again in 2016 and we will cause uh, grief to the right people and give support and strength to the right people. On a personal level, what is inspiring you to to keep on with all this good work in the coming year? Yeah, well, I think it's, it's a combination of reasons. It's a combination of factors. One is that... Um, that I think there is um, a real sense that we are making a great difference and a positive difference. It's not just um, the forever war where you're banging your head against the wall. We are, we are holding the line against significant political, industrial and financial pressure um, and we're holding a line that's calling for responsibility and uh, commitment to a cleaner energy future. Um, and... I think it's been a really important and a really pivotal thing to do in the context of the debate around action on climate change. And I think that the nuclear free movement has helped try and highlight that the, uh, these claims about nuclear as the way forward are just fallacious. They're, they're just desperation on the part of an industry. And it's, it's, um, it's a dangerous distraction at best from the real energy challenges we face. So what keeps me going is the sense that we are making a difference and that our collective efforts are improving um, our collective future. Um, and also just the sense that, um, you know, the, you hear the stories, you travel around the country, you meet with different people, you see different people and places. There's a lot of commonality in the stories. There's a lot of um, really basic grassroots um, wisdom and strength, particularly... Uh, by many Indigenous people who are fighting this industry. And um, it's, uh, you know, it, it, it is sort of once you start to look behind the veil, um, a little bit of knowledge is a dangerous thing and you sort of have to make a choice. And so in that sense, I'm very happy that um, uh, I've nailed my colours pretty firmly to the mast that says this is uh, a completely unsafe and unsustainable industry and we need to work hard to turn it off and, and to move beyond it. And um, so it's that combination of of the sense, if you like, of, of the importance of the mission or the task and also the sense that we actually are um, achieving it and we are stepping towards a cleaner and safer future. Excellent. Well, thanks so much for joining us on the show and look forward to seeing you at the various events that are happening this year. Uh, absolutely. Look, thanks. And uh, as ever, thanks for the opportunity. Thanks for Radioactive um, for being a platform for people from right around the country and indeed around the world on this issue and look forward to working with yourself and with others in the year ahead. That was Dave Sweeney, Nuclear Free Campaigner with the Australian Conservation Foundation and you can check out his campaign updates at acfonline.org.au and just follow the links for Northern Australia and Nuclear Free. 
And let's take a break from the talking and go to a fantastic track from the 25th anniversary re-release of Archie Roach's Charcoal Lane. And it includes this remix of No, No, No by Radical Sun, Earth Boy and Trials. They can't feel a pain And feel our anger, feel our rage yeah, how much can we take? We're living in the nuclear age And what the hell's it for? You cut out, mother, what you bleeding Big yellow cake When everyone has had their feet You go and kill some more The roots of these trees that I'm seeing run deep And doing nothing but what it is Got to, to survive The branches that bend to the banks of the creek And swaying in the breeze And you see, this is life Sun, Earth Boy and Trials, and that's from the re-release of Archie Roach's classic album, Chuckle Lane. Next up, we have Mayor Pepper, Nuclear Free Campaigner with the Conservation Council of Western Australia, and she brings us a roundup of what's happening in the West. Well, we've got a couple of pretty exciting events that we're planning. Um, you might have heard on the radioactive show about the Walkerjura walkabout, which um, Footprints of Peace and Marcus Atkinson and many others have been involved with for five years. So this year they'll have their sixth Walkerjura walkabout um, through the Northern Goldfields. 
But earlier in the year, in June, we're having another walk, which would just be like a 10-day walk, and it's through the Kalamui National Park um, from a remote community called Pangong to the proposed Kintai uranium mine, and that will be a yeah, 10-day walk through some very tiny remote tracks through a pretty amazing national park. And this is a kind of one-off walk, probably won't happen again. Um, so, yeah, really great. Um, great little thing that's happening um, lots of people looking forward to that and uh, some of the Madu from that area will also uh, also looking at heading over to Canada for their Cameco annual general meeting which is um, set for late May so that's on the cards as well and then the West Australian sort of team has been very much hoping to get the ANFA meeting in Kalgoorlie um, for the first time. So, uh, yeah, so there's some of the big things that we've got planned. But the big picture in WA for 2016 is um, is the state election, um, which is not really until March 2017, but it's a big game-changer for the campaign. So we've had two, um, two terms of a Liberal pro-nuclear government. We still don't have any uranium mines, and we've still got... Uh, a Labor Party and a Greens Party in WA that are opposed to uranium mining. So there's big opportunities to get a change of government and to um, and to knock this issue on the head in the West as it as it happened in Queensland. So um, yeah, so everything's kind of shaping up around that, and we're seeing that uh, that the mining companies that have real proposals for uranium mines. Are, um, are very much agitating and trying to rush through approvals before the state election in the hope that those approvals might stand under a Labor government, which is, you know, very contestable. So, yeah, it's a bit of a game on 2016, mining companies racing and thus, you know, stalling and delaying and mobilising and, yeah, it should be a good year. Mm, excellent. And and do you have any indication what the time frame for the election might be? Mm. 13th of March 2017. Okay, yep. yep. Yeah, so we've got four-year fixed terms in Western Australia, so we've got a really clear idea of when the election is, which means that we're going to have a very long election campaign because um, the stakes are high in the West, and, um, yeah. Mm. And is there any indication the way things might go yet? For the first time in seven years... <laughs> Since this uh, the Barnett Liberal government was elected in the West, we've seen a huge shift in the polls. Um, we've got the Labor leader is now the preferred leader, um, and yeah, the polls are changing. The political dialogue is changing, and there's a lot of people that are very hopeful about about a change of government here in the West. Mm. And as far as the approval processes for the mines, do you know what those timeframes are? Yeah, well, just to give you a little bit of a rundown, so there's there's three projects going through assessments at the moment. There's Yaliri, which public submissions closed in December, and there were over 3,000 public submissions. Um, so at the moment, the company Cameco is responding to, to those public submissions, and they can take as long as they like to do that. And once they respond, then the EPA has, I'm not sure, it might be 30 days to make their recommendations to approve or not approve. Once the EPA make those recommendations, we can then appeal, and we will, 
um, the EPA recommendations if it's to proceed. And then, um, and then after the appeals process, that usually takes about three months. And then there's usually a, a little gap, and then a ministerial decision. So, I mean, though for Yuliri, there is a there's a slim chance they could get state approval before the next state election. But then after that, they need federal approval. And then, so that's Yuliri. The other two is Baluna and Mulga Rock. Um, Baluna is. Uh, that's open for public comment at the moment and public submissions close on the 8th of February. And that, you, would have, you might have heard of Waluna before because Waluna um, went through approvals back in 2012. And they got state and federal approval for half of a project. So this is now the environmental assessment for the other half of the project. It's been a really dodgy process and I guess that's the bulk of our response to the to their um, environmental plan is that they've got two different proposals for half a project each and, yeah, it's all very messy and complicated. So that one we think will take some time to go through the process, the um, approvals or assessment process. And then the other one is Mulga Rock and that public submissions close for that on the 8th of March 2016. And that project is, you might not have heard of, it's um, about 250 kilometres northeast of Kalgoorlie. Uh, it's adjacent to the Queen Victoria A-class reserve um, and it's pretty, it's pretty remote um, in between lots of sand dunes and hills. Uh, and that project is headed up by a company called Vimy Resources, which is kind of an all-star cast of former FMG workers and former Liberal MPs. So, yeah, mm. not the nicest bunch. Um and that proposal is for three three pits um, pretty close together in that area. With some, haven't done too much work on that area and ha- or with the the community. It's pretty far away from from uh, lots of communities. But yeah, mm. that one also yeah we think probably won't get approval, state and federal approval by the time of the next election. Yeah, excellent. If people are interested in joining the 10-day walk um, in mm-hmm. Kalamulgi. When? Mm-hmm. What's the best way to, for them to find out about um, that? Well, it will be... It hasn't been put out there yet, um, but we just got word from the community today that it's all, all systems ago. So in the next week or so, it will be up on the website with the Walkajura walkabout. So if you go to walkingforcountry.com, walkingforcountry.com, you'll get to the right place and you'll see information for both the walks there. Mm. To kick off the Radioactive show this year, we played a couple of repeats of a show that Jem recorded in... Mm. um, Saskatchewan. Saskatchewan, yep. And their struggle with Cameco. And Mm. we were talking about the Madu going over... Um, for the for the Cameco meeting, and I was just wondering, mm. yeah, have they done that before, and is there any sort of collaboration between folks impacted by this mining company in other places? Mm. Yeah, well, we're hoping to get Mardu from where the proposed Kintyre uranium mine is, but also people from the proposed Yuliri uranium mine. So Cameco's got those two big West Australian deposits. We haven't done it before. 
so this will be pretty new. But we've been in touch with some people in Canada, some communities in Saskatchewan, and um, and also some environmental groups that follow and track a bit of Cameco's activities. Yeah, so it'll be it'll be a pretty great way to connect with First Nations people there and um, and some other groups and grow some support and solidarity for the campaigns against Cameco here. Excellent. Well, thank you so much for joining us on the show today. Thanks for having me. Thanks to Mia Papa for joining us from Western Australia. And you can find out more at ccwa.org.au backslash campaigns backslash nuclear free WA. And before that, we had Dave Sweeney and Jim Green. Thanks so much for joining me for the show today. That's all for this week. But tune in again for more news and views on nuclear peace and energy issues. And if you're wondering why nuclear weapons and non-proliferation didn't get a look in today, it's because in two weeks' time we'll have a fantastic two-part series that is brought to you by Jem Ronald and Tim Wright from the International Campaign to Abolish Nuclear Weapons. So that's two not to miss. This show was produced in the studios of 3CR on the lands of the Wurundjeri and is broadcast around the country on the Community Radio Network. As you've heard today, there's a lot of big events coming up this year. So keep listening to The Radioactive Show and join us on Facebook. And to start the year, please get along to the Invasion Day events on January 26th. And you can find details for what's happening in your area by going to the Warriors of the Aboriginal Resistance page or just Google Invasion Day 2016. On today's show, you heard No, No, No by Earthboy, Radical Sun and Trials and also Monkey Mark's track, Deadly Dub. See you again next week.